Hallelujah. <laughs> well, Father, we just thank you for your presence here this morning. We just say you are good. You are good. We just love taking time to worship you, Lord. You know, we don't need to get in a rush. We don't need to just come in and say, okay, what do I got to do? Father, we just take time for you. There's nothing better than just to take time with you. Oh, come on. Maybe I feel like I'm the only one who feels that way this morning. There is nothing better than just to take time for you, God. There is nothing better. Oh, I thank you that we get all eternity just to be with you in heaven, and that's still not enough. We thank you that we don't have to wait till we get to heaven. We can worship you now and partake of your presence, partake of your goodness, receive from all that you are. God, you are good. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, that you sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, to be our helper, to be our comforter, to be our guide here on this earth, and that through you, Holy Spirit, we can partake of the things of heaven. Because as Peter wrote, that we are divine partakers of the inheritance that has been given to us. We are divine partakers of the very nature of God, that we're not some foreign substance to you. We are your sons and your daughters, that we been made in your likeness and in your image that you have given us dominion and authority here on this earth and over the work of your hand we thank you for the things that you prepared for us in this life that there are good things things filled with peace things filled with hope things filled with prosperity that you have prepared for us that we should walk in them because we have been created for those things Oh, hallelujah. We know that you foreknew us. You saw us before we were even created. You saw us long before we entered onto this earth. Oh, and I thank you that you've still not stopped watching over us. Oh, so we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, how are you all doing this morning? Good to see all your smiling faces today, and welcome to those of you who are watching via the internet. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We're going to continue on in our series on the Holy Spirit, and we're now about eight weeks into it, and we've still got a lot more to cover, but this is going to be our theme for the rest of the year because there is so much to know about the Holy Spirit, and if Jesus said, it's an advantage to you, I want to know how far that advantage goes. I want to know all the ins and outs. I want to know how the Holy Spirit wants to move. And I want to be, open my life and be prepared for those things and have expectancy for them. You know, we said last week that the Holy Spirit is a catalyst. What is a catalyst? In, 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 uh, in chemistry, a catalyst is a substance that when it is introduced to other ingredients, it pursues a reaction and it speeds up the reaction, but itself is not changed. And so the Holy Spirit being a catalyst in your life, when it is introduced to the situations of your life, it speeds things up. It creates a reaction. It causes things to happen that couldn't happen on their own own just with you and it doesn't change him 
Because he's very much just like God. He's very much just like Jesus. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Holy Spirit can change you without himself ever being changed. And we got a lot of change we need to go through, right? You know, I, I think of how far I've come in my walk with Jesus, and I'm saying, God, I, I want more. I don't want to be content. You know, I, I was listening to a friend of mine a month or two ago. He was preaching, and he was saying, you know, it's sad. We have all these stories of these Christians saying about all the good things that God did in their life 30 years ago. That's great. I'm glad God did those things. What about now? Why did we stop? And we don't have to stop. We can live in His goodness and in the power of the Spirit every day. And we said last week that as we cultivate a life of the Spirit, we hear more and we see more than those who don't. And that's not to, to say we're better than other people or that they are some of lesser because it's available to them. But when you, it's like when I work in my garden, my garden grows and I get vegetables out of it. Last year, we had such a bountiful harvest, so much zucchini that we shredded it and shredded it and sliced it and put it in the freezer and I've still got zucchini in my freezer. This year, we planted and then we forgot about it. We were so busy wrapped up in other things and our garden looks pitiful this year. And I don't think we've got a few like sugar snap peas and maybe a few beans, but like we've got no zucchinis, no tomatoes, no cucumbers. And I'm thinking of like strawberries, blueberries, none of it. We're getting none of it. Why? Because we didn't work the garden. We didn't cultivate that lifestyle of being gardeners. And it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. You can cultivate a lifestyle of partaking of his things, of listening to him and letting him lead you and direct where you need to be be and the more that you get into it the more you receive from it god has made everything in this life in seed form and so you sow to those things and you will reap from them and so as we cultivate a life of the spirit we begin to hear more and we begin to see more and so for the last this is week number three we've been talking about the ways that God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit because if you don't know how he speaks you won't listen or you won't recognize that it's happened and I know in my life I look back and there was times where God was speaking to me and when I got to the other side of it I was like I didn't recognize it until I saw the fruit of it and I was like oh you told me that like three months ago and I just completely whoosh. I want to make myself and my heart so open that when God speaks, I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm listening. I recognize it's your way. And so the number one way that God speaks to us is by his word. And if you've got a closed Bible, you've got covered ears because he's saying in his word who you are in Christ Jesus. He's telling you what he's prepared for you in heaven and he's telling you what he's prepared for you here on earth, what you can partake of, what the life's the standard of living that you can expect when you receive from Jesus. You know, I think a lot of times when we look at what the Word of God says about us and then how we live, they can often be very far apart because we've accepted the world's standard of living. When Jesus said that by His stripes you were healed, I don't have to live sick anymore because the Word of God says I am healed. So when I'm standing in sickness, I can go, you know what, this was not designed for me. I'm going to step out of it and I'm going to step into His healing. I'm going to believe. When He said He'll supply 
all of your needs according to His riches and glory. You can be looking at the most dire of situations and God can get you through it. He can bring you out the other side. And I think so many of us get wrapped up in the idea we have to have millions in the bank. Thank God for the $5 that got you by. Thank God for the $100 that you needed to take that next step. God is the God of abundance and so you've got nothing having enough to get by. That was an abundant provision for you. And so we don't, we don't worship God for where we want to be. We worship God from where we are. And so he speaks to us through his word. We said that he could speak to us by an angel. That very much happened in the New Testament. And we, we said that you have to always balance that. What does the word say? If the angel said something different, throw it out. Did it bring glory to God? If not, throw it out. Another way we talked about is the authoritative or the audible voice of God. And sometimes God can speak so strongly or authoritatively to your heart, you'd almost think that he was speaking audibly. And other times he actually speaks. You know, I, I was thinking this week, at reflecting back after I preached it last week, that there was a situation, or not a situation, a, um, a prayer time that I was having with a bunch of friends when I was back in school. And as we were praying... Um, one guy said, you know, I've got a word that God is wanting to release a gift into so-and-so. And, uh, and he said, Jordan, just lay your hands on the back of this man. And so I, as I put my hands on, we all audibly heard. It was almost like a coin being dropped into like one of those machines. And you hear clunk, 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 ching. And it was like, and, and as soon as I put my hands on, we all heard it. And everybody's head went up, was like, what was that? And I was like, God was just confirming the word that this other gentleman had. And it was like, yeah, as soon as we walked out what he had said, there was that confirmation. You know, sometimes it won't be audible like that, but it'll be so strong in your heart. You're like, man, I swear everybody just heard that. He was just speaking strongly to you. And so those are the three ways that we've covered now. And today I've got, I've got a pretty lofty goal. I want to cover three more and finish up this topic. And so let's jump into dreams and visions because God can lead us and speak to us through these things. And so in order to get into this, let's jump back to the story we ended with last week in Acts chapter 9. You all ready for that? Well, let me get some water and I'll get ready myself. And in Acts chapter 9, we have Saul who becomes Paul. He's on the road to Damascus. And as it says in verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? Lord? And I always like that, and as I was saying last week, sometimes when he speaks, it almost seems so natural that you'll miss it and think it's something else, that it's just somebody else speaking. But here, Paul was, or Saul was like, is that you, God? Is that you? And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And it's hard for you to kick against the goads. And so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I said last week, that's such a great position to be in. If you've been wrong, get right. There's only one, that's the only way to go about it. Why would you want to stay on the wrong side when you just realize you're fighting the wrong battle? And the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city and you will be told what you must do. 
And so in that audible voice, God gives Saul instructions. Go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now, what would have happened if Saul said, no, let's turn around and go back to Jerusalem? He would have missed the next encounter. And it says, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but they saw no one. And Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were, he saw no one. And that's a way of saying he was blind when he stood up. That light shone so bright that his eyes were done out. And it says, but they led him by the hand, and they brought him into Damascus. And when he was there three days without sight, he neither ate nor drank. Now verse 10 is where we're wanting to get. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And, the Lord, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. What do we need to know? Ananias is just a regular Christian. And I want to point that out because so many people say, well, yeah, I expect my pastor to hear from God or I expect to hear a prophet to hear from God or an evangelist, but this is not any of those this is just a regular disciple. He's one of the 12. He's not one of the big name guys. He's just a guy who was in Damascus. And I say that because God's not wanting to meet for you. He's wanting to talk through you, through his Holy Spirit in you. And so this regular guy is about to change the landscape of the New Testament. We all know what Paul went on to do, right? He wrote most of the New Testament. Here we have a regular guy that was part of the process of making that happen. And it says, the Lord came to him in a vision and said, Ananias, what is a vision? A vision combined as a spiritual experience in which you begin to see and to hear into the spirit realm. Now, most of us are so uh, wrapped up in everything physical. You know, if I can't see it, if I can't touch it, if I can't smell it, then you know, it doesn't get any of my attention. But right here along with you, you are a spirit being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And with your spirit, you contact the spirit realm. It says God is a spirit, and those that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. Where is God? God sits in heaven in the spirit realm, which is not far away it's right here with you Jesus said your kingdom come your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven heaven's not something that's far away heaven is just as one step out of your physical faculties looking into the spiritual realm and so a vision is when your eyes and your ears are able to see into what's going on around us in the spirit realm. Right now, if your eyes were opened, you would see a flurry of activity going on in this room beyond you just sitting in seats. There would be angels that are on assignment that are in your life, angels that are meant to protect you and be there to help you walk out the will that God has for you in your life. There may be attachments and demons from your past that are waiting around just wanting to say what room are you going to give me what space are you going to give me and so there's so much activity that's going on beyond what you can see right now and so a vision is a spiritual experience in which your eyes are opened to see into that realm and to see something that God is wanting to show you 
And it comes in two forms that, that we can kind of define. The first one would be an open vision. And that would be like you're standing here with your natural eyes, and as you're everything natural, you begin to also see other things that God is wanting you to see that are also spiritual here. It's well, your eyes are open. And, you know, I remember the first time that that happened to me, I was kind of like looking, and all of a sudden it was like, there's an angel standing right there. And I was like, it, it shook me for a second. I was like, okay. And I, as I just watched him do what God had sent him to do, and then he was gone, I was like, that was crazy. But that's what we consider an open vision. It's where you're, you're still seeing everything natural, but you're also seeing what spiritually is happening now, the other kind we would call mini-vision, and I don't really like that way that's defined because it, it's no less supernatural than the other. And it would be that you're seeing it on the inside with the eyes of your spirit. It's not something that you're seeing with your natural eyes, but God is giving you a picture or a saying something to you or showing you something through your spirit, which Proverbs tells us that your spirit is right here in the of your being. And you begin to see with your spiritual eyes through your spirit something that God is wanting to show you and I feel like people are like oh this is weird well Bible this is what happened to people he said in a vision Ananias he said to Ananias and he said here I am Lord Ananias wasn't like go God this is weird Ananias is in his house by himself and God begins to speak to him through a vision. You know, you know I, I think Pastor Wendy can talk about this more on another time, but like even from a negative standpoint, you know, people do have stepped over and had spiritual experiences on a negative side by introducing drugs into their system where they, they stop relying on your, your natural and physical stuff. That is a crazy pass. Thank God for what God has done in her life. And she's nodding her head saying, yeah, there, there's experiences like that you can have in a negative side. And so if you can do it under the power of the enemy and through a negative, how much more on God's side of it? And he opens up your eyes to be able to see. And so Ananias, he calls to him. And in verse 11, it says, So the Lord him and gives him instructions in this vision. Now, I wish he gave us more details. Is God standing there talking to Ananias? Or is it just a voice that he's hearing through the vision? We don't know. It doesn't say. But he says, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, He's praying. I think that's a good Paul to be. Everything he's done up until this point and the experience that he had, it says he's not eating, he's not drinking, he's praying. You need to sort some things out, make prayer a priority. And so he tells Ananias what Ananias needs to do. He gives them the details. Verse 12 is interesting, though. He tells Ananias that in a vision, Saul has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Think about that. So he's kind of putting Ananias in a corner here, right? He's saying, Ananias, this is what I want you to do. Go find this guy because he's already seen you coming and doing it. And so God was working both ends of the equation. He told Saul what was, was going to happen and then he got orchestrated with Ananias to go do it. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And so here's Ananias saying, 
Really, God? He's questioning God, which we said that's not a problem. God is not afraid of your questions. He says, Lord, I've heard so much. And he says, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And oftentimes, we look at people for how they've been in their past. God's trying to orchestrate where Paul's going to be in his future. Yeah, you've heard what he's done to others, but Ananias, I need you to trust me. I've got a purpose for Saul. I've got things I need him to do. And so Ananias went on his way and he entered the house and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, this is kind of an interesting thing to stop for a second. Most people are like, well, I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I got saved. Do you realize that that was not always the case? There's, you can receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit at other times. And here, you kind of can't tell me that Paul didn't believe when that light shone down and Jesus said, I'm Jesus. Paul believed in that moment. And he said, tell me what to do. Now here, three days later, Ananias comes and lays hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about that later on in the series. But immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And so here we see a vision. God spoke to both of these men through a vision and gave them details of what they needed to do and what was going to happen. We see a similar thing with Peter on the housetop in Joppa. It said that he fell into a trance, and then he began to have a vision. What was a trance? Basically, he stepped into a spiritual experience. And when we learn to let go of all the pressures that are on us and thinking, I, 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 it's something I got to touch, I got to see. No, let go and step over and let God lead you into experiences that you didn't even know you could have. And so with Peter, he, he completely transformed his life. Up until this point, the Jews or the Christians that there, they were only going to the Jewish people. And this is quite a while after Jesus has gone home. And God used a vision to Peter to be able to transform his thinking so that his heart would be to go to Cornelius. And Cornelius and his household were saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then it just began to snowball out from there around the known world. Okay, so that's the vision side of it, but God can also speak to you in a dream. And so let's go over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. There's my water. A little dry this morning. <sighs> Acts chapter 16. And in verse 6, this is Paul and he's out traveling, and they're trying to decide where they're going next. And in verse 6 of chapter 16, it says, Now when they had gone through Fergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. More on that in a moment. In verse 7, it says, And after they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So by Mycenae, they came to Troas. And in a vision, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. 
And if we read through how it is displayed in the Greek, he's sleeping. And so a vision in the night would be a dream. And so in that dream, vision, the man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so Paul's trying to figure out which direction they should be going. They've already preached in a whole bunch of different spots. And as they went one direction, it was like, nope, no, that's not right. Nope, that's not right either. Then God began to speak to them. You know, I think this is interesting because so many people are, are more like this. Okay, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it, I'll do it. Yep, just tell me where you want to go. You know, that's not how God works. Get moving. You can go just as much by what he doesn't say as what he does. And so as you begin to start down a road, you'll know whether it's the right path or not, and then just turn around and go back. And so Paul has this dream in the night of this man saying, come over to Macedonia. And most theologians believe that this is Luke crying out saying, I need some help over here. And Luke just be the one who wrote the book of Acts. So it kind of plays out that way. And so he hears what they should do next. And it says, now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Really? No duh. <laughs> we concluded that this is the right way. Why? Only because God told us that was the right way. Okay, but what about the other two directions they wanted to go? They were forbidden to Asia. We see that in verse 6. It says, Now when they had gone through Fergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, we don't see any language here uh, showing us that it was God, no, 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 don't go that way, or that they had a vision, or they had a dream. There was a, if, that, if they had that, he would have told us because he told us about the vision that came next, right? So I think if that, that way had happened, he would have told us. And the word forbidden there means to withstand, and so as they set out in their direction, it was like something was withstanding them. They were like, this is just not right. This is just not the right direction that we should be going. In the next verse, it says, after they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Again, there's no voices saying, don't do this, don't go that direction. It was something on the inside of them that was just like, no. Not right. Not right. And why are we putting that out? Because one of the ways that God, the Holy Spirit will work with us quite, quite often is through the inward witness. And sometimes it's not about what the Holy Spirit says to you, but how it feels when you say, what should I do? I'm going to go this direction. Does it feel right or does it not feel right? Now, we often pass this thing naturally like, oh, I just had a gut feeling that I shouldn't have done that. Well, where does the Holy Spirit reside within you when you receive him? Proverbs told us that the Spirit of the Lord is the candle, the Spirit of the candle of the Lord. He searches all the inward parts of the belly. Why does it just kind of like sometimes you walk into a situation and for no reason you're like, oh, I just have like this knots in my belly. Like, this isn't right. This is, we need to go do something different. This isn't the right path. Or you get in and you just get that like, oh, yeah, I'm just so happy. I'm just so peaceful. This is what we should be doing. That's the Holy Spirit 
interacting with you through the inward witness. And we see this throughout the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit dealt with them this way. If we go over to Acts 15, we have a situation with Paul where he's been preaching through all of these cities and as he's going, there's people coming behind saying, oh yeah, what Paul preached was good, but why don't you keep the law as well and follow all of these different commandments? And Paul was getting frustrated. And so he packed up and he went back to Jerusalem and he got before some of the apostles and he said, this is what's going on. And as he began to talk about it, they decided that, yeah, what those guys are saying is not right. You just need to believe in Jesus. That's the only requirement. Believe and you'll be saved. You don't have to follow the law. You don't have to keep all these commandments. You don't have to be circumcised. And so they decided that that's what needed to be told to everyone. And in verse, chapter 15, verse 22, it says, Then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas. And these were leading men among the brethren. And it says they wrote this letter to them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. And here's what they said. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words that are unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us. Not we had a commandment from the Holy Spirit. He spoke to us in a vision, or I heard the voice of God. They said it seemed Good to us, being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have therefore sent Judas and Silas who will also report these things by word of mouth. Next verse. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So what they said, it pleased them. It seemed good to them. And then as they thought more on it, they said, this is actually the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not just something that we think is a good idea. This is what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. No voice, no vision, no booming, th anything. It was just a feeling. You know, and that's why whatever situation you find yourself in, if you've got the Holy Spirit, you know what to do. If you'll stop and listen. You know, I, I, I love the, the, how I've heard it explained a long time ago and it bears out with me. Sometimes it's good just to say, I'm going to do this and listen how it feels. Or say, I'm going to do this instead and just listen how it feels. Or get, get moving. Get out on the road like Paul did. And then the Holy Spirit just says, no, no, not in that direction. And Paul was like, okay, what about this one? Nope, not either. Here's the right path. And so the Holy Spirit can work with you so simply. And we pass it off as natural things, like I just I had intuition about it or had a gut feeling about it. You know, and I've come through lots of situations where if I would have listened on the inside, I would have known I, the Holy Spirit was preparing me beforehand. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, he says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit 
that we are the children of God. If I were to ask you, are you a son or daughter of God? You're just going to go ahead and say, yeah, because you know you have that confirmation. Worry about whether I'm saved or whether I'm not saved. I asked him in and the Holy Spirit bears witness about that. Paul said in the next chapter, he says, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul, with what he was preaching, he's like, I know it's the right message because the Holy Spirit, he's confirming it on the inside of me. Or we can look at a situation with Jesus. After he had risen from the dead, he was out on a road and he met some other um, followers of his who they didn't recognize who he was. And as he had to talk to them and explain the scriptures, and this was their words. They said in Luke 24, 32, they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures? It was the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, that's right, you guys better listen up. He's telling you the truth. It was confirming on the inside. And so when we become sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we begin to recognize that leading. But something else also happens. The more you ignore it, the more callous you become to it. Paul says some have a seared conscience. that They've overridden those feelings so many times that they don't even recognize anymore. Those are the word of God where it says, I will take out your stony heart and I'll give you a heart. You don't have to not understand what the Holy Spirit is wanting you to do. Just be like, okay, what, what feels right? If he hasn't spoken to you, if he, ha- if he hasn't given you a vision or a dream or anything like that, go with what feels right on the inside. We know what to do. It's like even our, our kids. They always know the decision to make, right? They don't always do it. But I always think of like Montgomery when he's about to do something he knows he's not supposed to do. I'm like, gummy. And he goes, I know, but I'm going to do it anyways. And you know, we know on the inside what's the right step. He'll either, either say, yeah, this is good or no, this is not. And I find when it's the right thing to do, it just feels like peace. feels like calm. Because that's how the Holy Spirit leads us, right? It says that He will lead us into all peace. Jesus said, my peace I have left with you, not as the world gives, but my peace I give to you. And so when it's right, it's just a, it's a calm. It's like a, almost like an excitement, a bubbly feeling. You're like, yeah, this is right. And when it's not right, I'd say for me, it feels very scratchy. It's kind of like, just something is off. It's just not right. I remember Brother Hagen used to describe it as he said, it kind of feels like you're having a bath with your socks on. It's just not right. <laughs> and as you begin to quiet yourself, you recognize what's right and what's not. You don't always need to hear a voice or have a vision or have a dream. Actually, when I think about it, I'm like, I think God's only ever spoken to me once through a dream and I didn't obey. It was a three-part dream, and the first part of the dream that I saw had already happened. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And the second part of the dream he showed me was going to happen, and I was like, oh, yeah, that, that seems really good. And the third part said, was telling me that though it looks good, don't do it. But because of how good the second part, I ignored what the third part was, and the third part came true. And I was like, man, I should have just listened. But really, that's the only time I think God's ever dealt with me in a dream. And so my, my, my advice to you is if you have a dream and you wake up and you're thinking, was that God? If you don't know the interpretation, it wasn't God. 
Let's just put it at that because so many people I've seen struggle over like, well, what did that dream mean? It meant that you had pizza last night. Yes. Come on. Like not every dream is from God. Sometimes it's just you and your crazy imagination. Right? When you wake up and it's a dream from God, you know it was from God and you know the interpretation. If you don't, toss it out the window. Okay, you got time for one more? Another way that God can lead us and why I've left this one to last and a very specific reason for it. God can lead you through other people, but I consider this one of the lowest forms of leading. And the reason why is because Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the prophets or through other people, says, has in these days spoken to us by His Son. He's talking about Jesus. And what did Jesus say? He said, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to show you things to come. He's going to bring things to everyone. And so the reality is when you've got the Holy Spirit, you need someone else to tell you which way you need to be going. And I'm seeing an over-reliance on so much of the body of Christ. I need to get with prophet so-and-so that they can tell me what to do. You don't have me to tell you. You've got the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that the God can't give them a word for you, but there's some very specific rules that it should fit. If so, you get a word from someone, it should bear witness on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit will confirm, yep, that's right. And if it's not right, throw it out the window. You know, I was thinking about through different times that I've had people give words to us, and I thought of a situation with Robin and I when we had first gotten married. We were in this service with a prophet or so-called prophet, and he came to her and began to give her a word, and he said, you know, you've got a real big decision coming up, and you've got to really, really look into this and make sure that you make the right decision, because if you don't make the right decision, it's really going to mess up your life. And as he's saying, I was kind of like, yeah, that's not right. And as Robin's kind of looking at me like, what 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 the heck and as soon as he left i said we're married right what big decision would you be making without me that we wouldn't be making together as a couple and even if you did mess it up god can sort it out and it was like the fear and the ickiness just gone no big decision came we didn't have that big decision it was just that guy prophesying out of his and that's why we need, that I said, the inward witness first. Because when someone gives you a word, the Holy Spirit's big enough to work with both of you to know what is right. And so if a word comes and it's not right, even if it's from me, I'm human, I miss it. If it doesn't feel right, throw it out. If you receive a word from someone else, it should lead you into peace. Even if it's like there's challenging times coming, the Holy Spirit will still surround you in peace. Because it says, He that prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. The Holy Spirit will always grab hold with you and go, It's okay. I'm with you. Here's my peace. Walk with this hand in hand. And the third thing would be, let the Holy Spirit be the true interpreter of that word. Because even someone can give you the right word and then give you the wrong interpretation. You want to see that in the word? So Paul, he's decided he's going back, going back to Jerusalem, even though the Jews who don't like him are there. 
And as he's traveling down that way, he, he gets together with a few Christians. And in Acts chapter 21, verse 10, it says, It's made many days a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. So the Word of God recognizes that Agabus is a prophet, and it actually tells about some other prophecies that he made that had already come true. And in verse 11 it says, And when he had come down to us, he took Paul's belt, and he bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hand of the Gentiles. Now, when we, that was the word that he gave. Now, when we heard these things, both we, this is Luke speaking, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. They heard the word, Paul, you're going to be arrested and you're going to be thrown in jail. Their interpretation was, don't go. Paul's answer was, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Paul knew, circle back to the very first of this message, Ananias came to him and he said, I need him to speak before Gentiles, before kings and before the children of Israel. I must show him the things he must suffer for my sake. And so they didn't like the idea that Paul was going to have to go through this. And it says, when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, the will of the Lord be done. Paul goes to Jerusalem. He's arrested just like Agabus had said, but then he gets to go preach in front of King Agrippa. He gets to go preach in front of Festus. He gets to go pe preach in front of Governor Publius. And then he gets to go preach in front of Caesar himself. And he's freed and he travels for five more years. So they had the right message, but they took the wrong interpretation because it was uncomfortable on their flesh. They didn't want to see Paul go through that. But Paul said, I already know what I got to do. God's already spoken to me. And so when someone gives you a word, always put it through what has God said to you already? How does it feel? And let him be the interpreter of it. And Agabus wasn't the only one who missed it. If we go back a few more verses, it says, when we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left and we sailed to Syria and we landed at Tyre and for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days and they told Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. And so again, they felt the same thing that Agabus did. There's stuff ha about to happen, Paul. Please don't go. They did see their friend go it, but the Holy Spirit had Paul on a different mission. I've got people I need you to preach. And I always love when he's preaching before King Agrippa. He's, uh, he finishes saying, and King Agrippa says, you almost persuade me to become a Christian, Paul. And Paul says, I wish you and everyone else here hearing it would do that very thing. Paul wasn't afraid. And in the end, he went to his death doing what God had called him to do. And that's why it's important. Learn the inward witness for you. 
How does it feel when God's saying, this is the right way to go? How does it feel when he's saying, you don't want to walk down that path? Because it'll keep you out of a lot of bad situations, but it will also keep you right where God has called you to be. Amen? Father, we thank you for the way that the Holy Spirit leads us. We don't need to be in the dark about what's going on in these days. We don't need to be in the dark about what's going on in our lives. But Holy Spirit, just as Jesus said in John chapter 14 and 16, you lead and guide us into all truth. Go ahead and say this with me. Spirit, lead me. Lead me into truth. I let you show me things to come. Bring things to my remembrance. Show me your peace. Let my life glorify God. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Maybe you've been watching with us today via the internet and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. Right now is the time to do it. Don't wait another moment. He said, just call on my name and you'll be saved. And we would love to pray with you. Right now say, Father, I ask for Jesus. I receive him into my life. I call you my Savior. I turn from everything else that was. And I receive your newness of life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us, we would love for you to get in contact with us. We would love to walk this journey together with you. But guys, we're just still ramping on the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. And there's so much more He wants to do in your life. Pastor Robin. Praise God. Well, it's a, a sowing opportunity. Amen? <laughs> it's offering time. You know, uh, Pastor Jordan mentioned a catalyst. And a part of the catalyst towards your sowing is the words of your mouth. And so we're going to say this confession together. As we sow, this is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best, grow. I sow you to spread the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in abundance of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And there's so many ways you can you can give. You can give through uh, online, wordchurch.ca, backwards slash give, or you can just grab an envelope and put something in the basket at the back door as you leave. Amen? Are you blessed? And say it. I am blessed. Hallelujah. Have a great week.